Welcome everybody to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Trey Lance's pro day, how he would kind of fit in the 49ers system if he ended up being drafted there. And then we're going to go over the offensive needs and defensive needs in the draft for the 49ers. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, this is just going to be the Trey Lance video. So make sure to come back on Wednesday and Thursday to check out those draft needs and make sure to subscribe. So let's get into the Trey Lance pro day though. It was yesterday. We're recording on Tuesday, kind of reacting to it. Overall, I think we expected Trey Lance to look good, which he did. I think we also expected his motion to look somewhat cleaned up. And I also think that it did in that in, in the videos, that at least that I saw, which weren't a ton, but, you know, finding them throughout YouTube and or Twitter. Um, and I, I think a lot of that's going to go back to the fact that he trained with Jordan Palmer and Jordan Palmer, probably the best quarterback coach in the world. So really good to have him there and kind of help him clean up his motion. That's basically what Trey Lance has been working on for the last few months. So good to see that there, but just want, kind of want to get your thoughts, Aiden, on on what this pre, Trey Lance Pro Day means. I think it was super impressive. I think more than how Lance looked is the fact that he was asked to work with John Beck in preparation, who we know has close ties to Shanahan. I know that he played for Shanahan when Shanahan was with the football team, formerly the Washington Redskins. But I thought, like... So Beck has worked with Fields and Lance, has not worked with, with Mac Jones. So a lot of the speculation is that um, Shanahan kind of put his confidant, who's also like a quarterback coach, to kind of structure things and see things that he wants to see specifically. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. Obviously, it wasn't televised or anything like that, so we didn't get into the nitty-gritty per se. But I thought Lance did what he needed to do. And I, at, at, at this point, I would be surprised if he's not a top 10 pick. Yeah, I'm, I was kind of thinking about this this morning just because Trey Lance tried to transfer and it kind of didn't work out because of all of the COVID stuff, whatnot. It, no true offseason. And, and it ended up not working out. I'm not exactly sure why it didn't work out, but I know that his plan was to transfer from North Dakota State. And that didn't happen. And I, I just had a question for you. Do you think if he transferred, because this is what I think is probably the biggest issue with him is that, okay, he has one year of film. He's 18 years old. He looks super raw. At times, he doesn't really look like a true quarterback, but more like an athlete at the position, which is okay. But we haven't seen him kind of, okay, here he is playing its better competition. How does he look against them? It's just a lot of question marks with him. Do you think that if he would have transferred and been able to play, let's say, I don't know where he was playing on transferring, but let's just say it was a power five school. Do you think if that happens that we'd look at him as potentially the number two pick? Because I, I know that like it, it, it seems pretty concrete that it's Zach Wilson. And if it's not Zach Wilson at two, then it will be Justin Fields. But I feel like he could have made a lot of money if he would have played in Power 5 football this past season. I think that maybe a, a little bit of a recency bias with both Justin Fields Zach Wilson kind of affect that. But do you think there's a chance that he could be viewed as the number two quarterback just like universally if he would have played this past season? 100%. Um, I think Zach Wilson is a guy who went from late round pick to presumptive number two pick and Trey Lance was on people's boards pretty high coming into last year. So if he comes in and transfers and plays super well, um, that's obviously the kicker. He has to play super well. But, I mean, I think that's that's possible. I expect him to be a guy who has success in the NFL. He, he's a guy I've really warmed up to, given everybody saying that he loves football, he's a student of the game, and really wants to be good, uh, which I think is super-duper important, especially when you have the physical tools that, that 
Trey Lance does. So I would say definitely that that could have helped him. Obviously, he didn't go his way. But like he's still going to be probably, I would say, the third quarterback off the board and may even end up going to a better situation. We Wait, really know. Third quarterback off the board? Fourth, fourth. Sorry. Okay, okay, okay. I was I, like, oh, you're you're, Trevor you're, you're sneaking it in here. <laughs> I forgot Trevor Lawrence existed, but like, <laughs> there's a definite chance he 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 could be the third quarterback off off the board. I think that's who Shanahan is kind of between either Fields or Lance. Praying to God, it is not Mac Jones, but possibly it could be Mac Jones too. Um, but I think at worst, Trey Lance is a fifth quarterback off off the board. And if you end up in a place like New England over the Jets. That could end up helping you in the long run. Um, oh, absolutely, and and that's that's something I want to talk about real quick about Trey Lance. And I, I think if you guys have listened to my channel, and I've kind of brought this up a few times, but a lot of his success in the NFL, and this is my opinion, but I think a lot of his success in the NFL is going to depend on his landing spot, probably more than any of the other quarterbacks in the class. I think that also pertains to Justin Fields a lot as well. That's why I'm really excited he ends up in San Francisco because all the tools are there. Just a couple questions to see how he can kind of change systems from that Ryan, like that Ryan Day system at Ohio State, and how he can adjust. That's like the big questions with with Fields, but with with Lance, it's about developing as a quarterback and becoming a quarterback, and it's going to be tough to do. But if he has a, if he ends up in the right spot, and that's why I loved Carolina for him before. I, I think it could go a long way for him. Of course, if he ends up in Kyle's system, that might be the best system, most quarterback-friendly system in the NFL. But there's a few spots I really like from. I like Washington. I like New England, of course. Um, definitely could see, you know, maybe if what, let's say the Saints traded up, you know, some some crazy thing like that where you see some team that's a good team that needs a quarterback trade up. But I think he, he is definitely the guy that if he ends up being the fifth quarterback off the board, teams that picked other guys before him might look it might look really bad down the road just because if he goes to that successful franchise also looking back on when quarterback have got picked recently the guys that end up with the better organizations tend to do a lot better and and, and like if you just look back oh well, really this guy went to the browns oh look the browns quarterback sucked for like 30 years like there's so many examples of this where we just see okay going to a good spot means so much but I, I got to ask you what what's your percentage chance if you had to per, put a percentage on it that Trey Lance is selected by the 49ers at three? Thirty percent, I would say sixty percent Fields, thirty percent Lance, ten percent Mac Jones. Okay, you're super close to me. I'm sixty five percent Fields, thirty five percent Lance, and I'm not even going to mention you, Mac you, Jones. You, you're not going to throw him on there. <laughs> no, and, and that might be that might be bad for me, but I, I really do not think that's the move. And I've said that, like, I, I get that pe there's people that believe it, and there's a lot of you know rumors to it. I just don't. I, I could, I would be absolutely shocked if that was the pick. And, and a lot of people that listen to have been like, dude, I think there's a better, a more, a larger chance of them taking Jones than you think. Totally understand that, but I just, I would be completely shocked. Um, but kind of talking about Trey Lance real quick. If they were to take them, which I think I think he is the second option for them right now, and I'll say this: I think he's the second option over Zach Wilson if that happens. Which I don't I don't know how many people agree with that. I think a lot of people are really really high on Wilson. I get it. Like he looks. I mean, we saw him recently too, and like we've seen him play against a little bit better competition, not a ton, but I think that for what Kyle wants to do, it makes more sense to take Lance. He definitely has the higher upside than Wilson long term. But if they were to take him. I think it's very clear that Jimmy Garoppolo would be the starting quarterback for all of the 2021 season. Do you agree with me on that? Assuming he doesn't get hurt, yes. 
Yeah, it's the big, the big kicker. <laughs> the big kicker there. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to talk about the pro day, think about what are the odds that he goes there. And I think 30, 30 to 35% seems pretty reasonable, I think. Um, I'm surprised. I kind of thought uh, Grant Cohn was talking about, like, oh, we're going to get the 49ers are all in on Lance. I've seen a little bit of it, but I didn't see the, the Mac Jones level to it. Now, I have started to see this. I don't know if you've noticed this. Instead of the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones, I've seen the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones or Trey Lance over Justin Fields. I have I have seen some of that. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to how this plays out, but just wanted to get something quick out there about Trey Lance because super fun player. He's he's one of my favorite. He's probably my favorite guy in the class. I just really like him. You've really been on the high train for a long time. He's He has been my quarterback too since the summer. I love it. And, and it's hard it. to like, for me, it's hard to like reevaluate him and be like, oh, you know, these guys have played well because I haven't seen him play in so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had that one game. I really don't count that game that much because a lot of his game and, and like you could see it when he's playing too, like he calls everything. A lot of it is preparation beforehand. It's really tough if you don't have a, a, a real off season and they played one single game. So like how much of that can you really like look at and evaluate and and also the thing with him too is it's it's tough to evaluate him against the fcs competition but i don't know it, it's it, he's definitely been my one of my favorite guys i mean i and i've said from from the first day like or not maybe from the first day but i've definitely come along to justin fields being a guy justin fields trail lance I, I mean i love either of these guys so interesting to see if he ends up a 49er but Super fun either way, um, but I, I think that'll probably do it for the the Trey Lance segment here. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to come back tomorrow and the next day to talk about the draft needs. But if you're listening on podcast, we'll get into those right now. So, offensive draft needs. I think there's two true needs at the position. I think those are quarterback, which has become very very obvious. They are going to be taking in the first round, and the other one is their wide receiver three. Obviously, you got some other guys in the roster. You got an exciting guy in Jalen Hurd that maybe could fill that role. But I think that they need that they're going after a wide receiver three. That's a big time vertical threat. Um, I'll say this because I do think Justin Fields is going to be drafted. If you draft him, the offense is going to become a lot more vertical. Just looking at his skill set, his strengths, and Ayuk is 100% that guy. But they want a guy to complement Ayuk, and then also have Debo in there as you know, like the more guy that runs more horizontal routes you know he's running slants quick outs, stuff like that you know into rounds plays like that where it's a lot more around the line of scrimmage and he's used for his yak abilities and just yards after contact as well so i i really think that they're gonna they're gonna take in some round i don't know where it is but they're gonna take a guy that they feel like that they can plug and play and be that vertical threat when they either have three wide receivers or four wide receivers it kind of depends on that um, I also would not be surprised at all if they take two or three wide receivers in this draft. I know it sounds like a lot, but say they don't go round two wide receiver and they go corner and then they go, all right, we're going to take a guy in the fourth, a guy in the fifth and a guy in the sixth or the seventh. And they could all be guys that make the roster. That's the thing. Like I, I think the wide receiver position is the most interesting of, of these needs on offense, just because they can go so many different routes with what they want. They can get a guy to kind of fill that Kendrick Bourne role. They could get a guy that they don't think is even going to play in, in his rookie year. And they're going to kind of like develop him, you know, small school guys potentially. Um, but I do think that the one thing that they really have to get is a vertical threat, at wide receiver. Um, but w- what else are you kind of thinking for these offensive needs? Cause I have a couple other like secondary needs, but those are my, my two, I guess, glaring needs that I think they have. I think you can talk about quarterback till you're blue in the face. We just spent 10, 10 minutes talking about it. Um, I don't expect them to pick a receiver early. I think, like you said, it's going to be two guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. 
because you have some guys that we know can play guys like Richie James and guys that have high, high upside, like, like Hurd And I even like Juwan Jennings um, who made the roster last year before he got hurt, who was the seventh rounder last year. So they have guys that can play there, but like you said, expect a couple um, guys to be picked late. I think interior offensive line and even tackle, you could pick a guy on either of those three spots. Say you're not sold on a guy like McGlinchey. It's his fifth-year option coming up. You want to draft the heir, heir apparent or a guy with some upside. We, we picked a guard last year, uh, Colton Mikovitz, but he hasn't been able to beat out Brunskill quite yet. Are you sure about your guard situation? Um, and Alex Mack, as, as we know, is definitely a veteran. Um, so definitely the center of, of the future there. And that's a very important position in the Shanahan scheme. Center takes on a lot of responsibility. So I would almost say center gets picked before either of those two options, given that Shanahan might want to groom a guy like that for a year. Because I would say behind quarterback, center might be the second most important position on that offense. I, um, I actually really like that. I, I I put that down as like one of the secondary things, center of the future. The only reason I don't have it above like wide receiver three or quarterback is just because they could also address it next year. That's true. But that's like, they, they're going to have to in one of these drafts for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, unless Alex Mack finds the fountain of youth, he's, he's, he's probably done after this year. And I think maybe even tackle before a guard, you just signed Trent Williams to this big deal, but he's older and a guy like McGlinchey, like no one is really sold on, I guess. Yeah, no, we could definitely see them end up taking it. That, that would be a kind of a shocker if they, in round two they take a tackle. I mean, and it could happen. I, I wouldn't expect it to happen just because we'll get into the defensive needs here in a little bit. But another spot that you didn't bring up. Um, also, where's the River Craycraft love, Aiden? <laughs> I mean, I don't expect him to have a large role. He's got a cool last name, got, got a cool story. The Niners love the Eastern Washington gang. But I mean, do we do we really want to trot that guy out week in week out? Be honest. <laughs> no, I'm you. just messing with you. <laughs> um, so then, what about running back? When, do you think that could be addressed? Do you think there's any specific time that it will be addressed in the draft? We talked about this either last week. I don't know when you posted it, but potentially a trade back up to get a guy like Najee Harris. I would say it's much more likely to pick a guy late or even undrafted. Um, We've seen that work out given the two starting running backs right now are undrafted. Uh, but I, I could see them taking a flyer on some guy late. But you have Mostert and Wilson signed for through next year or through this coming year. Um, both of them are going to be coming off contract. I could see them bringing Wilson back before Mostert, though. I would say that that's my, I guess, hottish take. No, I think that makes sense. I, don't, I think that it's probably going to be Mostert's last year. And then you brought up undrafted, definitely a chance. Whoever they, they touch, like you don't know how that guy's going to develop under uh, Bobby Turner and Kyle Shanahan, so always going to be exciting. for Those are the two positions on offense where it's like, it could be a guy in the sixth round, but he could turn out to be a stud either at running back or receiver just because we've seen how good Kyle and his, his assistant coaches are at evaluating those positions. Um, another thing about running back, there's Jamichael Hasty there. They've been rumored to really like Todd Gurley, and I know that they haven't signed him, but there's no way that he would sign before the draft with anyone. So that's potentially a guy they could bring in. Actually, I know that my a lot of people might not like the Todd Gurley signing. I actually think it's a great move. I, I think that he's a really good pass catching guy. Very low and, risk move. Yeah. Exactly. Really low risk. He's he's been a winner. Like he's he knows how to win. He can kind of help these guys and and play a very specific role. 
not going to be vintage Todd Gurley, that's for sure. Um, and, and nobody should expect that or think that's what like the mindset is in that move because he's not going to be the starter, but he could be a a role player that gets 10 touches a game and, and have a lot of those be on third down because he's still an excellent pass catcher. I don't think people realize that, but still a really good football player. It's just the knees are kind of wearing down. Um, but I definitely expect – I would expect them to have some type of move at running back where the guy that they select or pick up in the undrafted free agent market is a guy that's competing for that running back three, running back four kind of spot. Um, so Jamichael Hasty, I mean, that's probably the guy he's going to be competing with, whoever they take. Offensive line, we, we I kind of got away from that for a little bit. Left tackle and center are going to need to be addressed in the next two years, either free agency or in the draft, preferably the draft where you have a guy like kind of sit behind either. I mean, <clears throat> Trent Williams will probably be there for quite a while. I'm, I'm hoping. I think we all hope that. We hope that Alex Mack will as well. But it seems like Alex Mack is closer to retirement than Trent Williams is. Um, Williams had you know a year off, a lot of weird stuff going on in his career. But I, I think that if you see them take a center, he will potentially compete with Brunskill at guard and then kind of be groomed behind Alex Mack. Also, if, he, if they draft a, an interior offensive lineman and they're having him become their backup center and he doesn't compete with Brunskill for right guard, I think some people might look at that as kind of like, oh, no, this is a bad sign. I, I don't think that's the case. I think they might just specifically want him to just only play center and really get that position down, and I, I would understand that as well. But that's kind of all I have for the offensive draft needs. Um, what else do you have? Anything else? I would say, just to go back to to the the tackles, McGlinchey's in year four, right? He's He's coming into year four. I could see them maybe not picking a tackle this year, pick a tackle early next year, pick up McGlinchey's fifth-year option, sit the tackle for a year behind McGlinchey, or maybe don't even pick up McGlinchey's option and in, in how much you like the tackle, and then move him to left tackle once Trent Williams retires. Because I like Trent Williams talked about playing, what, like six more years? I think he's, I think he has half that. I think he has three years left. I think we can count on three years of Trent Williams because we have an out, I think, after three years. I was going to say, I think um, that's kind of how the contract is structured as so well. I think we're done with Trent Williams after three years, and that puts both of your tackles on the clock because McGlinchey's on the clock now, and you don't have a guy like um, Trent Williams locked up for 10 years, I guess, the way that the Texans do with Laramie Tunsil or something like that. So I, I think that that coming into next year is going to be like a pressing need. But right now, I think we're fine. Yeah, so that's going to do it for the the offensive draft needs for the 49ers. And if you guys think we missed out on something or think we have something on here that you don't feel is a need, make sure to let us know. Um, And also, if you have a guy on the roster that you think is like, hey, this guy's going to fill this role, I'd love to hear about that guy too. Because, I mean, ideally, you have guys on the roster that are able to fill these roles that we view as needs, which I'm, I'm always happy about. Um, But that's going to do it for offensive needs. So let's move on to defensive needs here. So I think there's... There's one position that I think is an actual need, and then there's a bunch of other spots where I definitely think that I that I definitely think will be addressed and should be addressed. But my my first one is just cornerback and safety safety depth, just overall secondary depth. We were looking at kind of how how long these guys are under contract on the current team. The two guys in the secondary that are under contract for the longest time are Jimmy Ward, two years, and Emmanuel Mosley, two years. Then your other starters, K1 William, Kwaski Tart, and Jason Vrett are all on one-year contracts. And also Marcel Harris and Tarvarius Moore, are their contracts are about to be up as well. So the secondary might be in flux here in, in the coming seasons. 
Um, so definitely expect him to go with some sort of secondary guy on, on day two. I would probably guess that we'll see someone taken at 43 or trade up, trade back, whatever they want to do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade back to, say, mid-50s and then they get a guy like Elijah Molden there. Definitely could see that happening. Uh, maybe they have a couple guys, Javon Holland from um, Oregon, and there's also Eric Stokes, who I like a lot from Georgia. Like, There's a lot of players in here that could potentially fill this round two spot or, or even maybe in the, in the third round if they trade back and acquire a third-round pick. Um, but what do you think about the cornerback safety spot as a, a position of need? Because I think that they really have to get a guy, and they need a guy that's a future starter. They don't need him to start next year, but they need him to start for 2022. Yeah, I th- I think that that's super true. Before that, that K1 Verrett Mosley resigning corner was obviously priority number one, and they've kind of put a bandaid over it for for the year. So this guy doesn't need to play right away. But I mean, imagine Verrett goes down. He's he's had the injury history. Who do you slide in as a starting corner? You don't have Sherman there anymore, and everybody else is pretty un unproven. There's obviously some some potential there. But I think corner is probably the number one position of need. I think we need a a corner more than we need a quarterback almost. Like Jimmy could play and be fine. But obviously when, when you're picking at three, you're not going to pick a corner unless it's Deion Sanders or something like that. So I would be shocked if one of their first two or three picks is not on a corner. Yeah, I would be as well. Um, also... Caleb Farley has been kind of falling down media's mock drafts and their boards and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. Let them fall. I'm fine with that. If they ended up trading back into the early second round or even the late first and selected Caleb Farley, that would be a really, really intriguing move. And if you had time to watch Caleb Farley, I I get that he has some injury history and it's pretty scary stuff. It's like back injury history. So I don't know how, if, if they're even willing to touch a guy like that. And that seems like the primary reason why he's falling He's a pretty raw player, former wide receiver, but his coverage abilities are insane. Like he won't like he won't always make a great play at the ball, especially like if he'll but he's on the receiver's hip, it seems like 95% of the time. Like it it seems that crazy. He just sticks on guys. And he his just his his horizontal movement and lateral movement is really, really impressive. Um, you'll see him get beat for a second and then recover so fast. His recovery time is immaculate, but great feet, great hips. Um, I definitely, he, I saw him. I was like, oh, this guy's the cornerback one clearly. And then you see that he's falling down behind um, JC Horn and Patrick Sertain and potentially some other guys that are kind of that corner safety hybrid. If he ends up falling and we're talking about, okay, what do we need a future starter getting this raw guy that can just kind of sit behind these other players and eventually become that. I think that would be an amazing move. Um, and, and I really like the upside there because I think that's the – I mean, I know that there's some some of the draft evaluators that I I watch, one of them said that he's the his best – his highest-graded defensive player in the class. And there's a lot of good players in this class too on, on the defensive side of the ball. So that says a lot. Um, let's hope injury history isn't a, a big deal. But at the same time, if it is, that's probably the reason he's sliding so far down the board. But do, do you like that idea? 100%. I think if, if he gets to, let's say, 30 – I mean, and that would that would take quite the fall. There was talk that we could pick him potentially at at, at twelve before we traded up. Um, but he's a guy who wouldn't need to play right away, and you could slide him in next year as your cornerback one and feel good about it. Um, so I think that'd be an awesome move. 
And then, and then outside of corner, I think there's a couple other spots. Obviously, we can talk about edge and defensive tackle. We know the 49ers love going after guys like that. Don't I don't see it as a, a big-time need. You could say edge with the D Ford rumors. They, they need a bendy speed guy. Um, and we'll talk about Samson Ebukam in a second here, but he's not a bendy speed guy if, if like – if that's what we're expecting out of him, that's not at least that's not what he has been. Maybe he can develop into something like that, but that's not really who he is as a player. Doesn't mean I don't like him. I think he's a stud. I think he, it was a great signing. Um, but for edge and defensive tackle, we can see that taken whenever. If they think there's a really good edge rusher, they might take him in the second round. Like it's it's really just depends on okay, where do we view these guys? Where do we have them graded? Where are they at in the draft? Because let's say there's a defensive tackle that they have a third round grade on. He's available in the fifth. They're going to take him. Like even if they haven't addressed wide receiver yet, or uh, I don't know, offensive line yet, like we'll see them take those positions. They definitely, we've definitely seen that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have prioritized defensive line. So totally expect that to be, to be uh, looked at some point in the draft, but I don't really know where. And I think that's just going to depend on how their board looks kind of when that, when they're up selecting. Um, but the other position I think that is just kind of a question mark at this point is the Sam linebacker spot, which it's really interesting. We were having a discussion before we got on on whether Samson Ebukam will be playing that or will be playing an like a defensive end role. I remember hearing reports that he's going to play defensive end. However, there hasn't been any practice yet, so we don't really know if that's for sure. Obviously, Aziz Alshair is, is playing that Sam spot. Uh, they brought in Nathan Gary from, I think he's played on the Eagles last year, who's a former safety. Uh, another linebacker on the team, Dre Greenlaw's a former safety. So what I personally think they're going to do is I think they're going to take a guy that's almost a mixture of a linebacker and a box safety, and they're going to convert him to that Sam linebacker spot, and he's going to compete with Aziz Alshair and Nathan Gary and try to beat them out and be the starter there. With that said... I do think that we might see Samson Ebukam used in that role, um, but I don't really know how they're going to use him because if you watch Ebukam, he he wins pretty much only by making initial contact with either a tight end or a tackle and then throwing him and just being a stronger, more physical player and, and winning with a high motor and just with strength. He doesn't ever try to win with Ben, at least when I was watching his film, his He's really strong. He doesn't have swim moves. He doesn't really use that many moves. His his pass moves are not refined. He's a very, very raw player. Now he is he still is productive. And you still see him, he he'll seal the edge like on in terms of like he'll he'll contain really well. Um we I saw him on a couple plays against the Cowboys in, in the week one of last year where he's bringing everything outside and Zeke has to kick it back in. Like he has a lot of plays like that. But I have really no idea what they're gonna do with him because he might be in the a defensive end role. We might see him get moved in sometimes, like maybe like over a guard or in like a three tech, just because he's really, really strong. Uh, we might see him outside of tight end. Like we're going to see him all over the field. So I think that you can bring him up when you're talking about that Sam linebacker role, but I don't think he's ever going to be like the true Sam linebacker if, if you're kind of, if that makes sense. Um, I, I'm just really fascinated what they do with this position though, because I think it's the only position where it seems like they're almost molding it to be a safety, like a hybrid linebacker safety kind of position, which I think is super cool. Um, we'll get a little Seahawks slander here, but it's kind of what the Seahawks do with Jamal Adams. Um, and, and what they did last year where he's a safety, like, yeah, he's back in, as a safety, but occasionally he'll come up and almost be an extra blitzer on the edge and he'll drop back sometimes. And then sometimes he'll rush the passer, but that's what this Sam spot does for the 49ers. So well, what do you think they're going to do with this Sam linebacker role? Well, I think an important thing to remember is that Sam linebacker is not a three down player. 
you don't have a same linebacker on the field three downs every single drive obviously if it's like a short yard situation and it's an obvious running down you're, you're not going to trot the nickel out there um but it's really going to be either the nickel or the same linebacker on on the field i'm personally of the opinion that i think ebucam can do some of the same linebacker stuff i think he's a good enough athlete to cover smart enough to cover but i have no problem with him being the edge guy once armstead goes goes in on third down because I don't think you need a, a a speed guy opposite Bosa. I think obviously in a perfect world you want healthy D Ford, but Nick Bosa creates so much pressure that if you have a guy with motor on the on the other side, like he's he's going to pick up a just a few sacks based off that alone. And if he's able to refine it, I guess I'm moving forward with the assumption that D Ford doesn't play a down. We've seen some very encouraging signs from him. So obviously the more the merrier. But a guy to keep an eye on again, Jordan Willis, who played pretty well last year in very limited time. Um, he's more in that D Ford role with Bend, had a crazy combine, ran like a four five at 280 pounds or something like that. So he's a really good athlete and he's a guy to keep an eye on. But I think they're gonna use Ebucam all over the field. I think he's he's gonna be D'Amico Ryan's I think he's gonna be like an X factor. He's he's gonna play all over the 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 front seven. Also, I'll add, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but in special teams as well. He plays 100%. a lot of special teams, and he makes big tackles. He, I don't know if you remember, but he uh, forced a fumble against the Seahawks in the wild card game. Like he's, really? he's, yeah, he's he's making it's plays started. all over the field. So yeah, no, he's he's already he's already helping the 49ers out in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm really fascinated what they do with that position because, like you're saying, like I could definitely see Ebukam kind of in that Sam linebacker role, but it wouldn't be the role that we've seen them play with and it's would be more of like, Oh, they're having five defensive linemen and on third down. Like, so that's where it's like, it's really interesting to see what they do. And I think you're right about, you're going to see them all over the front seven. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing like backer for a second. You're like, well, what is this? And then they bring him in, you know, have him have a mic blitz or whatever it is, or a, a B gap blitz or, you know, some of that, of that nature. But I, I think that'll probably do it for the defensive needs. Uh, one thing I'll add though is, you brought up if D Ford isn't going to play, and that's kind of what you're what you're expecting. If that's the case, I do think that edge rusher becomes a much larger need in the draft, and specifically a speed guy. Because if they if D Ford is not going to play at all, then they need another speed guy. Because Jordan Willis is probably the only guy that can truly do that on this roster. I mean, I guess you could say I, Aziz a little bit, but I don't really think that's would be his role ever. And and he's not going to be as productive as a true defensive end. That's a, that's a speed bendy guy, you know, someone like that. And also there's a lot of guys in this class that are going to be taken like in that are that mold that are going to be taken the second day. So that was also a huge factor. And if they do take an edge rusher in day two, um, there's a lot of speed guys, but if they do take a guy like that, that probably tells you, Hey, D Ford, they're not expecting him to play. And that doesn't mean that Abu Kham's losing reps. It means that Ebukam is going to be playing a much different role as well. So super fascinating to see how that turns out. But anything else you want to add before we take off? No, I think you touched on it. All right, awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, this is your first time watching the YouTube channel. Make sure to come back. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the draft. We just talked about the offensive draft needs and talked about Trey Lance a couple days ago. So make sure to go tune in for that. If you're listening on podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, the podcast numbers have gone up a lot lately, so always awesome to see. And yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon.